Can I just say, first of all, it feels like home to me. Is that all right for me to say that? When Rachel and I come back to Seven Oaks, it feels like we've come home. So um, don't treat me like I'm at home, all right? Treat me like I'm at home, because I want to be at home. So if I say anything encouraging today, all right, shout out something, all right? Shout out something encouraging, though. I just want to recommend a book, first of all. I've been reading on my travels. It's called it's Max Licardo, Facing Your Giants. If you've not read this book, you should. It's a great devotional book. I would encourage you to get it. And I'm going to put this in my bag in case someone steals it. Because I, Christi- I know what Christians are like. Okay. I've been away from home for the last three and a half weeks. Uh, I've been to Guernsey. Uh, I've been to Weymouth. Somewhere else beginning with somewhere, uh, Worthing, yeah. And Eastbourne and Borough Green, and a number of other places as well. And uh, it's been really great. It's been an excellent time encouraging the churches. Uh, we started a new thing in the past few years called Barnabas Plus, which means encouragement plus helping evangelism. And I'm really busy and really enjoying it. But when I get home in two weeks' time, I'm looking forward to being with my family because uh, I'm missing them big time. So I won't tell you any of the crazy stories that have happened to me or maybe I might do on the way. Let's pray together, shall we? Let's pray. So, Father, here we are with your word of God, and we thank you for it. We thank you that it gives life to us. Thank you that it causes us to grow and understand your ways and who you are. And we want to, right now, we want to submit ourselves to your word. And again, Lord, as as always, we want to enjoy the word of God and not endure a sermon. We want to open our hearts to the truth, and we want the truth to do us good, and we want the truth to build us up. And we want to go out stronger than we came in. Lord, we thank you. Let, let your word come alive in our hearts today. Lord, I, w- I want to pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd be at work in every person here. That they would include themselves in. Lord, we thank you for that prophetic word about an orchestra. Lord, this is a word for everybody. This is an us word, not a you word. And so I pray, help us to include ourselves as the people of God. In this, so that we can fulfill the purposes of God together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to turn to Numbers chapter 10. I talked to Adam on the phone this week, and uh, what I was going to bring, I'm not going to bring, but I'm excited about this, because this, this particular passage is probably the passage of all passages for Chris McLean that has shaped my life, and has really helped me to realize that God's presence always goes with us. And don't worry, it's not the same preachers last year. Look. <laughs> I've heard people do that, preach the same sermon. Uh, Numbers chapter 10 and verse 29. If you're writing a title down, if you're writing anything, this is a mindset for blessing and the harvest. A mindset for blessing and the harvest. And understanding this passage uh, over the past, I don't know how many years ago, I once heard someone preach, I've never heard anybody else, but it obviously had a profound effect because it's a scripture I would often go to and think, yeah, that's how I need to live. It says in verse 29, And Moses said to Hobab, the son of Raoul the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, We are setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us and we will do you good. For the Lord has promised good things to Israel. But he said to him, I will not go. I will depart to my own land and to my own people. And he said, please do not leave us, for you know where we should camp in the wilderness, and you will serve as eyes for us. And if you do go with us, whatever the Lord will do for us or give to us, the same we will do and give to you. So they set out from the mount of the Lord, three days journey, 
And the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them for three days journey to seek a resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was over them by day. And whenever, oh, whenever they set out from the camp, and whenever the ark set out, Moses said, Arise, O Lord, let your enemies be scattered, and let those who hate you flee before you. I love that. And when it rested, he said, Return, O Lord, to the ten thousands of thousands of Israel. When you hear good news, you just got to get it out there, haven't you? Some people say bad news travels fast. But when you've got good news, when something really exciting has happened in your life, you just want to get it out there for everybody to know. And I think that's why Facebook was probably invented. But my, my, I'll give an example. My daughter, uh, um, Maisie, she recently, she's trying, trying to go to drama school. And she went for an interview and there were 80 kids there for the day all doing drama. And she came running out up the road, skipping with a piece of paper. And I said, well, what's, what's going on? She said, I know we have to wait until the exams come out, but actually they've said to me, they're accepting me already. And she, was, she couldn't wait to get to the car. And we didn't even get home, and she texted every friend in the world that she has. When you've got good news, you, you really want to get it out there. And I, I'm like that. Sometimes, you know, Rachel works in a school. I went to the hospital to preach a while back, and three people gave their lives to Christ. And I thought, I know she's at work, but I've got to call her. So I called her up and said, this. she said, I'm teaching a lesson. <laughs> Teachers, you know. <laughs> but it's, it's at times like that when you've got good news to share that you just can't help. You want everybody to be in on it. You want your friends to be on it. You want your neighbors to be on it. There's good news happening in my life. I love the story Nicky Gumbel tells of when his first son was born and he said his wife gave him a, a whole load of 10 peas and sent him to the phone box and he phoned his mother-in-law and said, hey, we've had a boy and how big it was. I think he said it was like 14 pounds. I'm sure it wasn't that big. But he, was, he, was, he said, oh, you know, so he tells her and then he puts it down and he gets his 10 peas and he looks at a number and he dials his mother and the phone is engaged. So he thinks, oh, never mind, I'll ring somebody else. And when he, he rang his sister, when he rang his sister, she said, oh, good news, I've just heard, it was a boy. And he went, how do you know? And actually, everybody he phoned on that list had already been told by his mother-in-law. <laughs> Never tell your mother-in-law first. <laughs> but you see, that is the background to the story that we're looking at this morning. That's the background to this. He's, you see, the feeling behind this, this is how Moses feels regarding he's going on a journey where the promises of God are yes and amen. He's going on a, pro, on a journey where he knows he's promised good things from God. And so he goes to his brother-in-law, Hobab, and he says, listen, come with us and we will do you good and we will share with you whatever things the Lord gives to us. He's excited about him coming on the journey. And, I mean, we're going to see, actually, Hobab says, no, I don't want to go initially. But he has these people who are hanging around them. These are not, these are not the people of God. These are, peop- these are edge people, peripheral people, people who are just on the outside, as it, on the outskirts of the people of God. He was clearly a, a Midianite by, by the looks of it. And as God is leading them to move on, and as the cloud is going to be moving on, and the, and the fire is moving, right in the middle of it, he turns to his brother and says, come with us. And as it says in the AV, and we will do you good. Come with us and we will treat you well, as it says in some passages. Listen, Moses wants him to be blessed. Moses wants him to share in and to not miss out on the good things that the Lord has for them. 
And, and that's, I, I've learned so much from this. Listen, I want my friends to be blessed. I, I got on a plane from Toronto a few weeks ago, and it was Hurricane Doris. Did you, did you have hur- Hurricane Doris? I had Hurricane Doris. Just want you to know that. So I get on the plane. I sit down next to this girl. Oh, hello. And we chit-chat. And she says to me, she said, oh. I said, what? She said, I've never flown before. And she said, I'm terribly nervous. I said, don't worry, I'm, I'm sitting here. You know, we can, I'll guide you through it. I, don't mean, I said, although it's, it's going to be a pretty horrendous flight. <laughs> Encouraging words. And then she said, oh, she said, you don't understand. And I said, what, what don't I understand? She said, my mum is on the no-fly list. And I said, your mum's on it. Why is your mum on the no-fly list? She said, she tried to open a door to get out of the plane at 35,000 feet. <laughs> so I was like, what? I said, well, you're sitting by the window. And if you go to the bathroom, I'm following you. Anyway, we start chatting. So I said to her, this, it, you know, somebody was talking earlier about an easy, a simple prayer. I said to her, do you know what? Before I take off, I was like to say a little prayer. So I get, I get a little nervous. So I said, let's pray. And she grabbed my arm. And I just prayed a prayer. I sort of prayed a bit of a gospel prayer, I must be honest. <laughs> you sort of want to sneak it in. Thank you, Lord, that you love us so much. And you sent your son to prove, you know. You prayed a prayer. Like, uh, Ian prayed a prayer like that this morning. Um. And so she's holding on, and she's t- and I'm praying, and Lord help us to be not you know nervous anyway. Thank you, you're always with us. As I'm praying, an arm came across from another chair, and a lady grabbed my arm, and and look, and there's this lady <laughs> leaning across the aisle, holding onto my arm, and and I thought, okay, we're all, and we carry on praying, and I finished my prayer, and the man in the seat in front of me turned around and went, Amen. So, so now I've started up a whole conversation that took place six and a half hours across the water. And then afterwards we went to Witherspoons for breakfast together, three of us. And I was able to share my faith with them, which is good. And, uh, and if you haven't got one of these, this is my personal track. And the story of how I went to Canada. If you want one of those, I've got loads with me. So, But Moses is all fired up about this calling and this promise that God is going to be with them and be on the journey with them. And then he invites his brother in and Hobab says no. Has anybody ever had someone say no to them, to something you want to invite them to? You ever had that? Yeah, I've been there. Actually, to be honest with you, once I asked my boss to come to something and he got there late as far as I was concerned. He was, he was late and it was so bad. I began to pray, Lord, don't bring him. It was so bad. It was a, a country and western singer. I thought, oh, this is so bad. This is not going to be good for my boss. But he says, I'm going back to my own land and my own people. But Moses doesn't give up on him. When he said he doesn't give up on him, he, he continues to share that actually he says we're carrying the promises of God, and if you come with us, you can enter into those and enjoy them. He doesn't abandon him. He doesn't give up on him. He doesn't say, "Oh, he's in the hard to get to category." You ever put anybody in the hard to get to category? It's easy to do that. But you see, I think this is very reflective of God's heart. God's heart is always to gather us and to draw us close. That's God's heart for us. And he doesn't abandon them. You know, if I, if I go out, I've got six kids, and we all get together, which isn't that often, and we go out for a picnic beside Lake Ontario, and I say, okay, we're going, and, and say, Clara's not there. I don't say, well, we've got five, let's go. Five is good. Well, what's, win one, you lose one. You know what I mean? It's no big deal. No, actually, you want everybody to be with you. And that's the heart that Moses has. He wants him to be one and drawn in and to enjoy the favour of God, which they are carrying. And it's important for us to catch how Moses speaks to him. Because not only does Moses want Hobab to be blessed, which is what we see, but he goes beyond that. And this, listen, he is totally convinced that he will be. 
Okay? This is not wishful thinking. This is not fingers crossed, touch wood, it'll all go well on the journey. This is a man who knows that God is with him. This is a man in whom God said by the, uh, by the burning bush, I will be with you. This is the man that God has put gifts upon to, to show the presence of God. And he, he knows and has a, a settled conviction and absolute certainty that anyone who comes with the people of God will be blessed. And in faith, he states, come with us and we will do you good. We will. This is Moses' perspective as he speaks to his brother-in-law. He's not apologizing to him for bringing him on the journey. He doesn't say, well, yeah, the Israelites are going to be there, a bit of a religious bunch, you know. I don't know if you're going to fit in with them. He doesn't say something like that. And we can think that so often when we invite people to church. He's not nervous about how things are going to go that day. He invites him knowing he surely will be blessed. I don't know if you've ever invited a neighbour to church or to home group. I invited a neighbour called Ray to my connect group. You look at connect group in a whole different way when your neighbours are there. And they come in and you just notice things that were going on. And I think, oh, and I was was sweating a bit because my neighbour's there. And then we did the worship part. He had one eye open in the worship. He had his hands up though, which I thought was pretty cool. Everyone was singing. And we were just singing some songs. And then somebody did some questions from the word and stuff like that. And then they went around asking, is there any needs for prayer? And when it got to him, Ray said, I just want you to know I suffer with depression, but tonight I think I might have found the answer. Now, I just want to say this. I nearly fell off my chair. I was like, what? And I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there sweating because, you see, I, 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 I'd forgotten the presence of God is with us. That's what I'd forgotten. I'd looked at all the, all the periphery things, but I'd, not, I'd forgotten something. God is with his people. And God's at work in him. And a, and a couple of weeks later, he got saved. And then you have to go through another thing, which is sitting next to your neighbor every week at church. That's a weird thing. Yeah, it is a weird thing. But you see, he knows, you see, and he knows that people will be blessed. Let me, let me just say this. For us, we can be more aware of the failings of a church than we are of the blessings of a church. We can be more aware of whether, you know, the shortcomings of a church than the fact that God's presence is among God's people. We can be more aware of the style of music and will it really suit them than actually realize that when people come among us as a people, they're going to hear the word of God and their lives are going to be changed. I love that. And I think we have to have a better mindset. And I want to say to you today, if ever there's a time for this passage to be preached in this church, it's today. Because you are on a journey and God is growing this church. And let me say to you, as surely as I'm standing here, the presence of the Lord is with you. Did you get that? Because I really meant that. I really meant that. I, I mean, there's only three churches on my trip. I won't mention which ones because someone might listen to the tape. <laughs> there's only three churches I've been to on my trip that I would join. This is one of them for sure. If I moved back to England, I would move to here and I'd be part of this church. The presence of God is with you. The favour of God is upon you. The joy of the Lord is among you. The, 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 the family of God is among you. I would join this church. Now you may be more aware of other things, but let me tell you, that is the key one that unbelievers need to see. This is a good place to be. Actually, can we say that together? That'd be cool. Let's say it's a, this is a good place to be. Okay. We can be more convinced that church probably isn't for them than convinced that anyone who comes along 
whether they're fat or thin or black or white or educated or uneducated. Anybody who comes among us as a people will be blessed. Do you believe that? Moses did. Because we're carrying promises from God that God will be with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. What does that mean? He's with us today. So when people come among us, they'll encounter the presence of God. I love that. I was in Weymouth. I was going to say last week. I'm, I'm a bit lost at the moment. Uh, I think it was the week before last. Yeah, it was the week before last in Weymouth. And I was speaking and a man came forward at the end. And he said, Chris, he said, I just want you to know I'm not with this lot. And I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not with this lot. He said, but when you said to that, I really would like to know Jesus as my Savior. I'd love to know God as my Father. Okay. Well, we can do that here. I prayed with him and I led him to Christ. Okay. He came to Christ. That afternoon, somebody from the church saw him in the local Sainsbury's shopping with his wife, who he's not been together with for over two years. On the Monday night, a couple took hold of them and started the marriage course with them straight away. That's a good people to be with. Was it me? I, I, okay, I reaped, a bit, I reaped a bit of what had been sown into his life. And somebody else met him and said, hey, listen, you're back there. That's really good. We can pray for you. Let me connect you to someone who could do the marriage course with you. That's, that's going along with the people of God and them doing you good. I love that. I love that. I phoned home about that one. And so I phoned my wife. She wasn't at work either, which is cool. But Moses wasn't thinking about whether it was culturally relevant for Hobab to come. He wasn't thinking, you know, how is it going to be, you know, for him to join with the people of it? He just knew that the people of God are good to be with because they carry the presence of God. I love that. Moses' confidence was based that God's promise was to be with them and bless them and that the ends of the earth would be blessed through them. Let me say that. That's, that's the same for you and for I. You know, we, 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 we're, we're reaching out to a local community, but also we have the ends of the earth in our sights. And sometimes people will go to the ends of the earth. But actually, at the same point, people are being met with here by God's presence and power. Want to be a church like that? I want to be in a church like that. You are a church like that. You are a church. So, are we aware that anyone who comes among us will be blessed? Because I think that's really important. The problem with Hobab, this guy, was that he was a nomad. That was his background. Nomads are people that go round and round in the desert and they just sort of camp in various places, which is why Moses says to him, you can be our eyes in the desert. I don't know why he said that, because they've got a great big pillar of cloud and fire. I sort of feel we wouldn't really need anything else, would you really, when you got that? But anyway, he says, you can tell us where to camp. And for Nomad, this was the only life he knew was going round and round in circles. And never really going anywhere. Nomads are like carnival people or fairground people. They go from one place to another, but there's no place that's really home for them. And they never realize that life could be different. Well, at this moment... When Moses shares with him, suddenly he's come to a realization that life could be different with the people of God. I don't have to go round and round. I could, there's a people to belong to. I've met so many people in my life who go round and round in roundabouts in their life. Do you, know, you have friends like that who hit the same problem and they do the same old thing? And you think, for goodness sake, why don't I get off the roundabout at a different exit? I meet so many of people like that. You know, when people come along to King's Family Church, I don't need King's Family Church, but one of the things we would say to them is this, if you stick with us for one year, your life will be unrecognizable at the end of a year. I was at a barbecue at my house, and Mary Hemlow was talking with a couple, and I was standing there, uh, she was on the deck, um, 
imagine it sounded like a boat. Uh, sorry, is it, is, she was standing on the deck. That's what she was standing. And I was standing, and I heard her say to someone, if you stick with us for one year, your life will be unrecognisable. And I thought, that's my line. <laughs> Do you know what I was really glad about? I was glad that all of us were saying the same things. Because we're a people moving together. It's not about me. It's about a people moving together with a message that Jesus makes things different. And so I think... Um, we need the kind of faith that Moses and the boldness that Moses has that's contained in this scripture when it comes to Hope Church Seven Oaks. That we have a mindset that we are a people carrying the blessing of God. And anyone who comes with us, who sticks with us for a year, their life will be unrecognizable by the end of that. Got faith for that? I've got faith for that. Uh, this is a big point. This is a big point this morning, if you're writing notes. You know, some of us have been out of the desert for so long that we've forgotten what it's like to live in the desert. We've been out of the world for so long as Christians, we've forgotten what it was like before we were Christians. Listen, it's a desert out there. There are people who are struggling in their lives. There are people who are... Look, just look at Facebook or any social media. The world is screaming. The world is screaming, looking for hope, looking for change. And we're a people who've been changed by Jesus Christ. We're a people who've got new life in Christ. And we, some of us, you know, we've been out of the desert for so long, we meet people and we don't realise because their lives look all together. But actually inside, it's a desert. And they need to meet up with people who say, come with us and we can do you good. We will give to you what you need in your life. For the Lord has done it in our lives. That's what we need to be. Let me move on. So I've got some time to get through. Um, Hobab had never moved through the desert with the presence of God with him. He'd moved through the desert, but he'd never moved through the desert with God leading him and God being with him and the joy of the Lord being his strength, the provision, the, the, the presence of God being with him. Never, that had never dawned on him until this particular time where Moses offers it. And so to all the desert dwellers and all the nomads that we know in our lives who really are going nowhere, we can say, hey, listen, come with us. Come with us and we will do you good. Come, come along to church with us on Sunday. Rachel and I have a, a rental home and uh, it sort of su- supplements my income. And uh, this couple who are Brazilians moved into it and after a couple of months they were really struggling, adapting to the country. I understood that. I went through that. I'd even warned them of it. And uh, we, Rachel and I went around to their house one night and we said, hey, can we, can we pray with you? And we had an amazing time meeting with them. And then he said to me, can I come to church with you on Sunday? I said, yeah, come along. And they came along. And now we have, a, we have a home group in my rental home, which is really cool. We have about, he invites all sorts of Brazilian people there. We have unbelievers there. And it's just a really great time. And we're, we're sharing the good news of Jesus with people who are desert dwellers because we've got the springs of life within us in Jesus. We know the water source, don't we? We are a people who are walking with God's assured presence. You know, one of my favorite scriptures, I think I even touched on it last year, is, is where Jesus, it's Luke chapter 7, where Jesus goes to Nain, and he, as he approaches the town gate, a dead person is being carried out in the other direction. And what happens is Jesus confronts the woman who is the, uh, the mother, who's already lost her husband, it tells us, so she has no means of support. All the town are coming out in grief for her, and Jesus touches the body, raises her son. And you know, everything turns around. And the procession of death that Jesus, life that Jesus has with all his people, 
coming with him, swallows up the procession of death. That's the church of Jesus Christ. That's the church. That's the church. You know, they came out in those days. It was, it was uh, people had mourners. You would pay mourners to, to, to mourn at your funeral. Oh, oh, what was his name? Harry. Harry. You know, they didn't even know his name was. But they, they, and they would play flutes and drums and you could buy these people. And I, you know, you have to have a sort of imagination when you read the word of God. But I don't think the tune they played on the way out was the same tune as they played on the way back home. I don't think so. I think they played a win the saints when they went back and a funeral march on the way out. Listen, that's what it's like with the people of God. We swallow up the death in people's lives. We embrace people. We accept people. We bring people in under the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see their lives change and they're swallowed up by the procession of life. That's what it's like in the kingdom of God. That's what it's to be like in this church. Are you aware you're in the procession of life? This is what God's word says. It says this. But thanks be to God who always, can you say always? Who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads through us everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Listen, what does that say? It says we're being led in triumphal procession and we're spreading the fragrance of Jesus. And we're swallowing up the death in their lives and we're bringing the life of Jesus to them. That's God's desire for us. I was at, I was at a church a couple of weeks ago and uh, I was preaching on who, know who you are in Christ. Okay? And a lady came forward for prayer and I said, oh, what can I pray for you for? And she said, well, yesterday, in light of your preach, I said, yes. She said, yesterday, I stood in front of the mirror and I was saying, you're a stupid, fat, ugly woman. I said, oh. I said, that's interesting. I said, well, that's obviously not what I preached this morning. She said, I know, I've got to get my mind sorted out. She said, I do it all the time. I hate myself. And so I said, well, I'd love to pray for you, and I'd love to give you some things to read. I had some of those uh, biblical confessions of faith, and I gave them to her. And I said, but I've just got to get a lady to pray with me. I always pray there's a lady there. I called this girl over, and she stood there, and I said, uh, she said, what are we praying for? I thought, oh, man, we're going to go through it all again. So the lady said what it was, and she said, she looked at her, and she said, I just want you to know, two years ago, I was a prostitute in Nova Scotia. She said, I want you to know I could get out of bed every day. I could hate my life. But actually, do you know what? I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ. And you need to know this. And, and, and I'm like, well, we're going to get the prayer. There's people to be prayed for. And she's just, and I'm standing there. And by the time she finished the testimony, I was in tears. It was just so amazing to see what God had done in this world. And then she looked at the woman and she said, we're going to get together once a week over coffee. We're going to read these and we're going to believe it together. And she said, then she said, let's pray. And I said, hey, this is my prayer time. <laughs> But, but actually, I love that. I love that. She, she came and I thought, you know, I've preached the word. She's responded, there's a girl who's going to help her to get past this area of her life. And then we led her to Christ and then that was great. But I, I love that. I love that where we are the fragrance of Jesus everywhere we go. You know, my Clara has just gone to secondary school. And uh, having gone to secondary school, they had a, her friends got together and had a party. And so they all got together to reconnect with one another. Now, where I live in Oakville, it's quite well-to-do areas in Oakville. And uh, there's some very posh schools. A bit like this area, I suppose. And um, when Clara started asking her friends where they'd gone, 
her friends, who used to come to our basement for a thing called jam in our basement, which Clara started, Jesus and me, um, they all said, actually, we went to our parents and we said to them, we don't want to go to Appleby College and we don't want to go here. We want to go to a school that will nurture our faith. And they were like, what? They said, well, since I've become a Christian, I really want to be in a school where they, they will encourage me to be a Christian. And the parents said, you're a Christian? I said, yeah, I became a Christian. How did that happen? They said, mum, dad, you put us in a Christian school. What did you think was going to happen? <laughs> and so Clara said all of her friends chose their new schools on the basis of that they'd received faith in Jesus Christ. I love that. I commended her for it. Well done. For, she opened the basement. She said, they're all coming every, Friday, every other Friday night. And dad, you're going to run it. I was like, <laughs> okay. That's like mum and, mum and I's night out. Did you talk to her about that at all? But that's, that's what it's about. It's about in, engaging with people. And it's about bringing the fragrance of Jesus. Being good news to those that we meet. Bringing the love of God. I think it's really important that we realize that we have that mindset. Uh, I'll just tell you one more story. <laughs> it was minus 18 degrees. does that in Canada on you. And I was in the YMCA at uh, Mississauga. And while I was in the YMCA, um, I'm not really into gym. Anyway, I'm not really into gym anyway. But I, uh, I went in, he had the gold pass, which gets you into all the good areas, like steam rooms and all that. It was good. So... Went in the steam room. Uh, I did do a little press up or two, but I went in the steam room. And then they had this great big, great big uh, jacuzzi. It must be about here to the wall. Massive jacuzzi full of naked men. Oh, don't go there. But I'm bobbing around in there. It's minus 18. I'm sitting on this little ledge on the side. And I'm just about to go for a shower in the steam room. And this guy on the other side, I said to him, man, it's so cold out there. I said, I could stay here all day. And he said to me, if you had my life, you would stay here all day. And I'm thinking, no way am I doing evangelism naked in a hot tub. <laughs> but I did. And, and what I was remembering was this. It, actually, that scripture we read, it says, through us, he spreads everywhere. <laughs> the fragrance. So I'm bobbing around, and he starts to tell me about his business going down and his marriage and everything. And I just said to him, uh, you know, I shared with him how I'd become a Christian and how that had changed my life. Just simply... You know, my life was going that way in the past, but look what God's done. And then I went across and I was thinking, there's no way I'm going to pray for a naked man in a hot tub. <laughs> so I was like, I think we get dressed and uh, we'll meet outside for a coffee and I'll pray for you. And, and I led him to Christ. And I just want to say, listen, we've got to be aware of the opportunities that come our way. All it was was bobbing around in a hot tub and a man said, if you have my life, that's all he said was, if you have my life, you would stay here all day. It's a desert out there. And we got the life of Jesus. I lo- what I love about this passage as well is that Moses, if you look at it, I think it's verse 16. Verse 16 says that he promises stuff he hasn't even got yet. He says, if you come on this journey with us, we will give you things that the Lord gives to us. He hasn't even got it yet. And he's promising it. That's how assured he is that God is going to be with him. And I think you know, we need to realize that no, it, maybe we don't have it all at the moment, but maybe we're going to have it for them a bit later. God's going to answer their prayers through us. Who knows what God's going to do? Come with us and we will share with you whatever things the Lord has given to us. I just want you to notice as well in this passage that it actually says, come with us. Moses doesn't say, come with me. I'm the big guy. Come with Adam and he will do you good. That's a bit of a big stretch anyway, really, isn't it? (laughs) But but he's saying, come with us. 
Come with us because we are a people carrying God's presence with us. We are a people of whom God says, I will bless you. We are a people of whom God says, I will be with you. We are a people carrying promises that all the ends will, will know that I am the living God through you. And we need to be aware of quite who we are. The us is really important. And never discount yourself from being involved in the purposes of God. Okay, I'll give an example. I had some students come to us and they said, we have to do hours of voluntary hours for school. Could we help you with your PA system? I was like, sure, come on a Sunday. Why not? So they came on a Sunday and the PA guys would say, okay, before we start someone, we're going to pray. You know, they got very evangelistic about their PA work. And, and by the end of it, the guys didn't leave us. They stayed with us. They got saved and baptized. And I was thinking, wow, wasn't it good that we embraced them? We didn't say, oh, no, you've got to be a member here. You know, you've got to be baptized before you can do the PA. <laughs> no, we didn't. We didn't do that. We know we did. We, they embraced them. They said, come on board. I love that. I love that about Hobab that Moses said already sees the skills that he can use for the people of God before he's even saved. I think Nicky Gumbel came up with a phrase belonging before believing. Okay. Now I I have theological problems with that because you can't really belong before you believe because you believe and then you belong. But actually I think evangelistically we could think some people need to belong and then believe because they're among the people of God and the people of God do them good and they mix with us and they say, man, I want what you got. And that's how I got saved. Most of us in this room probably met somebody who was overly joy-filled evangelistically and we thought, I want what they've got. Is that true? How many people who could say that? Oh, there's a lot of people. He says to him, you know where we can camp in the desert and you can be our eyes. He, He was welcomed among God's people. Do you know what the greatest gift in the churches for evangelism is hospitality? hospitality is so great. You can do so much with food, can't you? I know, I start saying, oh, would you like to come along to our connect group? Uh, what do you do? What are you seeing? And, there's food. Oh, it's food. I'm coming. Up. They come. Brazilians, I don't know why, we're reaching a lot of Brazilians through food. They really like food. But <laughs> they're all coming along. But it's, for us, we've got to be a people together and us, come with us, so when people come through that door, it's not, one person standing at the information area, welcome them, but it's everybody. It's all of us having eyes for the lost. It's saying, you know what, we're praying for three new families to join the church, and when people come in and we don't know them, we say, hey, we're glad you're here. How can we pray for you? How can we encourage you? Let me get you a coffee. Let me tell you where the kids go. It doesn't get left to one or two. So many churches end up with the magnificent seven doing everything. We don't want that. We want to be a church, don't we, where all of us are contributing. Everybody's using their gift. I love what uh, Paul says in Romans 15, verse 24, when he's talking about a church. He says this, I long to be with you and visit you so you can assist me on my journey after I've enjoyed your company for a while. I love that. Isn't that good to know there's a church that Paul wants to visit because they do him good. That's how I feel about this church. That's how I feel today about this church. Listen, you're good to be with. But you're good as well for the lost to be among. Do them good in the name of Jesus. Let the message of this church be, come with us. Come with us and we will share with you what God has done in our lives. Come, come, come with us and we'll share with you what this joy is that is in our lives that Jesus has brought about. 
come with us. Yeah, we know you've got some problems. We know you're going through some difficulties. We'll help you with that. We'll pray you through that. Come with us and we'll do you good. I wonder what the attributes of such a church would be. I think it would be encouraging, hospitable, helpful, caring, loving, accepting, joy-filled. There's not a lot of joy out there in the world, is there? I've got to be honest here. I've been on trains so much since I've been here. What a miserable place to be. People Sit on a train with me and I'll come and have a chat with you. <laughs> Do you know, when I got saved, there was a woman who sat right in the front row of the church I went to. I'd only been saved a month, and this is what she said to me. Give it a year and you'll be like us, miserable. She said, that's what she said. She said, you're so joy-filled. She said, give it a year and you'll be like us, miserable. I was like, what a thing to say. And I said to her, I'm determined in my life, I'm determined to live in the joy of the Lord. Otherwise, this salvation is not worth having. Let, Let me ask you, where are you? In your joy in Christ. As I was praying today, there was, it was a, we come from a desert. We're not in the desert anymore. God reached out and grabbed hold of us and brought us into his kingdom. We are saved. We are loved. We are secure. We're empowered. We've got purpose. When we pray, God hears us in heaven. That's us. That's us. We're not in the desert anymore. The old is gone. The new has come. And it's all from God who's poured his grace out on us. Are we good to be with? Like Paul was talking about a church there. I'm nearly there. I just want to just touch on something here this morning. And that is this whole thing about calling. Sometimes we think, oh, Adam's called. You know, you're called. Musicians are probably called, but I'm not. Listen, in the, in the New Testament, I think it's 86 times, Paul talks about us being in Christ. Whatever is true of Christ is true of us. If he, 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 he was raised to life, we've been raised to life. If he was accepted by the Father, we're accepted by the Father. If he is loved by God, we're loved by God because we're in Christ. That's such a wonderful truth. But I don't think we apply this to our calling. And when Jesus stood up and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and anointed me to, to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the broken hearted, set the captive free, free, He was talking about the Spirit of God was upon him as a calling and for purpose. Listen, that's true of us. When he was standing up, he was proclaiming it over our lives too. Because we too have the Spirit of God living in our lives. He's a a resident in our lives. He's not a visitor. He's not a visitor. He's a resident. When I'm in Canada, every meeting you go to, people say, oh, we're going to have a Holy Spirit meeting. Listen, the Holy Spirit, when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, he's resident in your life. Resident and president, as someone said, in our lives. And that's so important. But you see, we, we, we then are little Christ-like ones. See, Jesus was the anointed one. He was the Christ. And we are Christians, the little Christ-like ones, the anointed Christ-like ones. That's who we are. Listen, you're anointed for purpose. Don't stand back saying, saying things like, oh, when this happens, then I'm going to start serving God. When God speaks what country it is, then I'll go. No, 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 no. Listen, we're already called. When Jesus was walking on the beach with the disciples, he said, come with me and I'll make something of your lives. I will make you fishers of men. What was he doing? He wasn't just calling them to be with him. He was calling them for purpose. Listen, you as a church are called to purpose. I'm going to say it again and maybe we'll go amen. All right. Let's just, I know it's a bit of a long shot. All right. 
we are called to purpose. Amen. Amen. Listen, we are called to purpose. I want to pray purpose back upon you in a big way. As I'm standing here, God's saying something to me about you guys. I just want you to know, listen, never let anything come between you. You two guys, this is a strategic time for you guys in terms of what God is going to build in this church for you, you and Ian. Yeah, I'm just telling you, it's a strategic time. Be, be aware, pray for these guys, pray for these guys. You won't believe how many churches I go to. If you get the leadership, you get the church. All right, that is not going to be true here. And so, Lord, I just want to pray for these guys right now in the name of Jesus. I want to pray, let their, let their friendship grow. Lord, let their joy in serving you together in different spheres of the church. Lord, I pray, make them uh, great to be with. Cause them to be full of your Holy Spirit. Cause them to, uh, as it were, enhance one another's gifts. Make, make one another better than they even are now. And I pray, let this church grow in capacity and faith and joy and outreach in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I want to ask some questions to finish this morning. Are you walking in the certainty of God's favour and blessing over your life? Like Moses. Are you living the sort of life where you can say to others, Hey, come with us. Come with me. I will do you good. We will do you good. For God is with us. Are you aware of God's blessing on his church more than if it's culturally relevant or suits the demographic or it's the right sort of music for people? God is with us. Because if you have that sort of mindset, their lives could be changed forever as they encounter the people of God because they carry God's presence. And so let's live with an us mentality. You know, it's God's word. Hebrews always, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us not stop meeting together. It's an us. We're on a journey together to bring the love of God and the presence of God. It's not my mission. But it's our mission together. I sort of don't want to go into something else. And lose where I'm at really. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this little story in the Bible of somebody asking someone to go somewhere and yet having such faith and assurance that they will be blessed. Father, thank you that that is true of your people. Thank you, Father, that when people come among us as a church, they will know the blessing and the favour and the kindness and the good news of Jesus. Lord, I pray help us to be more aware of you being with us and blessing us than we are of things that we might discount inviting people for. Give us faith in that area of inviting people so that they can be prayed for and encouraged and invited out for a meal and, and we can get close to them and share your love with them. So they can find that not only am I their Christian friend but I have, they, they meet other Christian friends and, and the sphere grows wider, as it were, and they get to know more about you. Lord, we just declare in this church a time of, of growth and blessing. We thank you for all that's going on at the moment 
in terms of people sharing their faith with others. We want to pray that that would come to a time where people would come and be reaped in the kingdom of God. We pray that people would join themselves to the journey of the people of God. They would come to know your love. Lord, help us to be a people who carry the fragrance of Jesus and are aware that we carry it everywhere. Lord, I pray as we, as we hit the streets and, and, and workplaces and colleges and everywhere this week, Lord, help us to be a people that realize that everywhere we go, we spread the fragrance of Jesus. It's the smell of life to some. To some it's the smell of death. To some will reject us. But to others it's the smell of life. Lord, may this church have the smell of life about it. May it have the joy of the Lord about it. May it have the presence of God about it. Lord, we pray for it. We thank you, Lord. That's your desire for us as a church. Let your kindness rest upon us. Amen. Amen. Can I ask you, can I ask you just, let's just pray for a moment. I want to ask you, if you're, if you need to, to grow in this mindset this morning and say, listen, I need to be more aware that God is with me than I am of all the fears and all the insecurities and everything else. If, if that's you, can I ask you just to stand with me? Can I ask you just to stand with me, if that's you? You don't stand up, it's not you. Stand, just stand up, it is you. Okay, can I ask you to just lift your hands, all right? Father, I want to pray right now that as we submit ourselves to your word, that we would be more aware of your presence. Lord, that we'd be aware that often you do more behind our back than in front of our faces. Lord, sometimes we don't see, but you haven't made us a people who see. You've made us a people who've got faith and know that you are with us to bless us. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, we ask you for faith to see that you are with us in whole new ways. Lord, help us, help us not to be faithless in things. But help us to believe that when people come among us, their lives will change. Give us divine appointments. Give us the right word for the right moment for the right person. Give us it, Lord, we pray. Give us keys to open locked up lives. Help us to be water in our language to people who are living in a desert. And so, Lord, I pray, help us to reach out to the hobabs that are around us in our lives. People who are going round and round in circles and need to know, come with us, for we are the people of God. Oh, Lord, I, I just pray, rest that on us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. And now, Lord, we pray for success for this church in evangelism. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we're calling on you. You are the God of salvation. So we're calling on you. It's your work in people's lives. But we pray, give us boldness to do your work with you. Give us an anointing of the Holy Spirit to share in the joy of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.